once when I was overseeing an outreach team, there were two people who just didn't get on. One was complaining to me all the time about how rude he was over there. And he was complaining to my husband all the time about how annoying and frustrating she was over there. Well, one day, the whole team went up for an outing, except for these two people. They stayed back for two different reasons. And when we got back, something odd was happening. They were talking. And over the, the next few weeks, they became inseparable. And in, within the next two years, they were married. Something had happened between them. They had finally talked and understood one another. Is an enemy always an enemy? Let's take a deeper look. I'm sure we can all make a list of our enemies. In my junior high yearbook, I had little hearts by my friends and great big X's by my enemies. It seems that there are always those around us who seem to be bound and determined to make our lives hard. Maybe they're individuals like those who bullied me in high school. Maybe there's groups of people like, like a street gang or fans of a rival football club. Maybe it's a whole race or, or a nation like extremists who have done terrorist acts or maybe even harmed people that you care about. The obvious thing is to set ourselves against these people. They are our enemies. I remember a few weeks ago, we talked about what Jesus said was the greatest two commandments, to love God with all that we are and to love our neighbor as, we, as ourselves. And we said that there were three types of, of people. Um, there are those who are just like us, who are easy to love, and then there's those who people who are not like us for some kind of reason, and they're harder to love, harder to get on with and, and to care for. But then there's those people who just seem to be against us, our enemies. What does God say about our enemies? Well, let's take a look at the book of Proverbs for a minute. Proverbs chapter 25 says this, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Ah, so it looks like I could pretend to be doing something good for my enemy, but it's actually like throwing bits of fire at him. Yeah, I like that. But burning coals sounds like, like a bit of an attack, doesn't it? But is that what it really means? In biblical times, and even when my grandparents were younger, and still today, many places in the world, having a hearth fire, that fire in the, the fireplace in the center of the home, is essential. This is what people use to keep their houses warm, to cook their food, to heat water for washing, all sorts of things. Once this fire is burning, you want to do everything you can to keep it from going out. There is a special way of banking the fire overnight, um, that which would keep it alive until the morning. Because if your fire went out, it was really hard to light it again. Just think how easy it would be to light a fire without a lighter, 
without matches, without fire lighters, those little cubes that you, that you can buy for your barbecue, without starter fluids or petrol, anything like that. You'd be back to rubbing two sticks together, wouldn't you? And this passage from Proverbs says, if your enemy needs anything, whether it's food or water, or even that essential fire, that we should give it to them. Send them away with enough hot coals for them to restart their fire at home, even if it means that our own fire might be at risk. Remember that definition of love that we keep coming back to. Let's paraphrase it slightly here. Love is saying or doing anything in your enemy's best interest, regardless of the personal cost. So let's take a look at what Jesus said about the subject. In Matthew 5, starting with verse 38, he says this, You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the left cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take off, takes your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them for two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Don't even the tax collectors do that? Now the tax collectors, they were they collected taxes for the Romans, but they added like an extra 10 or 20 or 30 or 40% on just for them to keep. So they were stealing from people. If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even unbelievers do that? But be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So does this mean that we're supposed to be like a walkover then as a Christian, let people kind of beat on us or something? No, not exactly. It means that we don't spend our lives trying to protect ourselves from our enemies. We don't fight back in spite. We don't rejoice when bad things happen to them. We don't curse them. We don't say bad things about them to others. When they need something from us, we don't do the minimum we do the maximum. We do bless them in word and in action because ultimately God loves them too. He wants them to come to him. He wants them to accept his forgiveness. He wants them to have that heart transplant that we talked about the other week. And he wants us to continue showing them kindness in spite of their actions for us. And that one day, as we do that, they might just ask the question, why? And then we get to tell them about this amazing God who we know loves us and who loves them. But even if that never happens, it's still what God calls us to do. In his, in his letter to the Romans, Paul quotes this, this passage from Proverbs that we read. 
in Romans 12, he says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful what you do, that, that it's right in the eyes of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, so what this doesn't mean is that you, it doesn't mean that you won't stand up for somebody in danger. It doesn't mean that you stay with an abuser. It doesn't mean that you become a Christian doormat. It does mean that you let God handle the whole revenge thing. It does mean that you don't allow other people's attitudes and actions to affect your own attitudes and, and actions. Doing the right thing, even when the wrong thing is done to us. I'm not saying it's easy, but my experience is that God is strong enough and loving enough to care for me and for you in the midst of all the, the persecution and having enemies in our lives. Did you notice that, that one verse in, in that passage in Romans said, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Have you heard the story of the donkey fall, who's fallen in a pit? No one could get him out of the pit. They tried and tried, and no matter what they did, they couldn't get the donkey out. So they figured the donkey's going to die anyway. So they just started to try and bury the donkey in the ground. And, but as they kept shoveling more and more earth into the pit, the donkey wasn't going to be buried. He just shook off the earth and then stepped up on the soil. And as they kept shoveling more in, he just kept shaking it off and stepping up. And eventually the hole was so full he could just walk right out of the hole. In the book of Genesis, a man named Joseph had every imaginable thing done to him. And in the end, he said to his enemies, who were actually family members, you may have planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for good. Have a read of his story sometime. Jesus says to not only do good things for our enemies, but to bless them and pray for them. Notice it doesn't say pray against them, but for them. To pray in love, in their best interest. It's in their best interest that they discover how amazing God is and the price that he paid for them so that they could be forgiven by him too. Ultimately, God wants everyone to come to know him, to be adopted into his family, even us, even our enemies. When was the last time that you asked God to bless your enemies? Why don't you give it a go?